We are looking at the moment uh, data, uh, how to describe data uh, in different ways. Looking at uh, emerged data, mostly looking at distributions, but also all kinds of uh, plotting visualization. So I will try to get over with this and then start. One of the one of the topics that has been uh, from the very beginning of data mining, uh, something that defined that data mining uh, as a field. So association rule binding. But uh, before we go there, just reiterate what we have been doing. So we have been looking at data, and when we look at data, we may observe some uh, features of the data um, that uh, sometimes are something that we don't want to see. Sometimes we think that uh, data is, is similar, but in reality, it's not. So before we start doing any conclusions, we should uh, we should uh, normalize uh, data, pre-process data, clean it in different ways, normalize, think how to how to represent uh, data meaningfully. Uh, so th these are just examples that if we if we think that this measurement device and this measurement device, one in one lab, the other in the other lab should produce roughly identical distributions, then by plotting you can observe that in fact they are not, right? So if they are not, then how do you compare? So if you assume that they should produce identical results, then we have to do some sort of normalization. Um, or if you look at the data that you have about the children's uh, measurements, then you should normalize for, I don't know, for the age group. Depends what you want to say. If you want to get uh, a certain value higher than average or how much higher, then you have to normalize or think the comparison group. You have to compare similar to similar or find a way to make them comparable. So, normalization can be used to uh, make take data that has some uh, deviations and try to make sure that it's, it's uh, somehow more, uh, more straight uh, for analysis purposes. Okay, so we have, been going, we have been going through all these different questions about pre-processing, cleaning, uh, 
So then let's say that we have, or instead of having very many attributes described in one data point, it would be so much nicer if you would have um, some classification of the data into the groups. So later we will do clustering, clustering the science objects into different groups, and then it's easier to talk about this type of objects or that type of objects. But uh, in this set of slides, I think the last thing that we want to do is a little bit uh, just give the hint about uh, discretization and concept hierarchies. So discretization is something that, like, uh, um, think, think of the think of the normal normal shop, uh, normal conditions. You, you go to the shop, you buy something, you purchase something. Is it food, clothes, electronics, whatever? And if I tell you the price was $29.99, is that a big value or small? Or one item is $29.99, the other is $57. How do you compare the values? You don't even know, am I talking about the same type of category in there? Is it for that category, is that value small or high? And it's really hard to put in this kind of, for every product or for every category to know exactly what are the boundaries, for example, right? So you would, you would rather like to uh, know, is this client purchasing uh, high-end expensive stuff or cheap stuff? Uh, so ideally you would have to have some sort of discrete, more discrete categories that, that expensive, overly expensive, uh, mid-range, cheap crap. And that would be something that you could uh, sort of look at entire, over, over, over different uh, categories, right? Um, So discretization would be taking some, uh, for example, numeric data or some very high, uh, high value ranges and sort of making it very specific uh, small groups. We, the types of attributes are nominal, sort of like values which are just unordered, uh, round, cubic, uh, whatever, triangular shapes or, or or colors or professions. Uh, then the ranks, something that has ordering um, for general and uh, lieutenant, you know that it's not totally different categories, but one is clearly above the other, right? There is some ranking. And then, of course, continuous uh, variables, uh, which, which can be integers, floating points, uh, uh, real numbers, integers, or real numbers. So how, how do you build the, the concept hierarchies? Of course you can design top-down, I'm going to classify things in this way, so a human can design things. Or you can start thinking that, let's do bottom-up, uh, start putting into groups and then see what kind of uh, hierarchy we will have. So the, the example that I, we started last time was about the age groups. 
so which which age grouping would be uh, better? This is the count of how many falls in each age group. So you can see that depending on what are, what are your uh, boundaries <coughs> of 0 to 20 year olds or 0 to 18 year olds, you have a number of different uh, people in different groups. Can, can we even say anything that which one is better? Uh, why aren't you challenging? There is no such thing as better. It depends. It depends. It depends on the on the cause. But what are you trying to achieve? So if, if you want to count uh, the amount of people who is the workforce potentially in the, in, the, in the economy, that's 19 to 65 year olds. So the younger ones uh, should be studying, or younger in theory studying at universities, and then you have retired people. So until you start work or after retirement age. Or depends if you want to have some slightly different group. Uh, so clearly, the, the question, and the same is going about the, 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 the expensive or cheap stuff. Who makes the call for every single category? Is this expensive milk? Is this uh, uh, cheap mustard? Product by product somehow, right? But do you want to do that manually? Nah. <laughs> I guess so. You, you, you programmers are so lazy, you don't want to do anything manually, right? You'd rather spend one week to write the code that does your one hour of work automatically. <laughs> no, that's what we do. That's what programming is about. That's, that's what, and then we reuse and then we actually solve uh, a big problem. So, because you don't want to do that manually, uh, you have to have an idea how to do that for mustard and uh, microwave ovens and TV sets with a single program. How how you how would you approach that problem? Or your boss tells you that we want to look at uh, different shops, uh, how, how much they sell products in different categories, uh, just organized by price. But you have you have one weekend, and you have. In the supermarket, we have tens of thousands of different products, or maybe several hundred different categories. We need to automate this process. So, so the, 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 the example in here is just, as I have been telling a couple of times, there are these sort of ad hoc methods that may or may not suit uh, certain, certain needs, right? And this is just one ad hoc method uh, how, how one could uh, do. Um, this is to take the range of numbers, values. It could be the prices of microwave ovens, I don't know, or, or TV sets. And they are overlapping potentially. Right? I guess uh, 
that more expensive TVs are much more expensive than microwave ovens. But if you want to categorize into different groups, uh, cheap, uh, expensive, somewhere with the boundaries, humans are, how many different categories can you, can you remember or see or interpret? How many different numbers can you compare? Not a very big uh, number, right? So this, this ad hoc set of rules in here is a three, four, five rule. So trying to take any range of numbers that you have at that moment from, from here or from there, it could be wide distribution, some narrow, and say that we are trying to, we are trying to split that into three, four, or five more or less equal groups. Well, more or less equal groups. So three, four, or five split. And now, naturally, what you would like to see, of, of course, is this is these uh, uh, round numbers that are on the boundaries. TV sets that are cheaper than 1,000 euro. And then you have 999, 99, 99, right? Just that it's cheaper than 1,000. Right? So we would like to somehow find the round numbers that are splitting the, the numeric ranges into uh, nice intervals. And uh, 3, 4, 5 rule tries to say that if we have something like, if, if our values are between 600 and 900, uh, there are 3 times 100, right? If all the values are between 600 and, and 900, we should split it into 3 groups. If we have uh, 600 to 1,000, there are four hundreds, so we can split it in four equal groups. Uh, if, if we take from 600 to 1,000, there is 400, uh, 400 is a range. It's very cumbersome to split it into three. Right? 133, so from 600 to 733.33. Very strange to look at the user interface. Why did you why did you classify it there? Right? It would, your boss would say why didn't you do it at uh, seven hundred? So three, four, five uh, rule tries to split. If it's convenient, then let's split it into three. And it's convenient when it, it's divisible by three, three, six, or nine. And seven is a little bit unfortunate case. I guess and then it's three, four, three. No, I can't count. Uh, two, two, three. Two, two, three. If there is uh, two, four, or eight, then we split into four intervals uh, of two, one, or one half. And if it's one, five, or ten, ranges between thousand and two thousand, you can naturally divide it into five groups by two hundred. Right. So depending what is the range, uh, apply this three, four, five. Rule and, and split uh, the categories. So if your if your price well this is not the price but this is the profit of the companies. So some companies uh, is it profit of companies? It could be whatever the number range, right? What we we would like to get sort of uh, categories that on top level we say that our, our data will be between minus four hundred to to plus five thousand, and then we split from minus four hundred to zero. Thousand, thousand, and three thousand. So 
So, uh, why is it like that? <laughs> uh, so we get the max and mean, and then we try to massage the data roughly equally. In here, now I owe a little bit of explanation. Why was this example 1,000, 1,000? I think on the top level, you have to get rid of these means and max and try to see that the, the most significant digit or, or largest value that is in here by 1,000, 1,000, 2,000, but there are maybe there are too few elements. So from 2,000, you don't go to 3, 4, 5, but then you do from 2,000 to the max. Or max is 4,700, then you try to make it the round number up there, right? So the next round number by 1,000 is at 5,000. So, so you can you can take the data, you can calculate the mean and max, you can look at that 5% percentile, 5% in here, sort of get sort of ranges, figure out what is the most significant, and then do the, the splitting. But now we have cases where we have between 2,000 and 5,000, we have three groups of 1,000. In here, this is 1,000 and 1,000, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 groups. And in here, from minus 400 to zero, it's naturally by 104 uh, groups. So we have the example where we have three groups, five groups, five groups, four groups. Depending what is uh, the, the most significant uh, uh, digit how, uh, and, and based how many values there are in between, so how to split. So if, if, if you start, your boss will probably look at only the top thing, right? What are the counts? How many sets did you sell in each category? But your analyst may want to drill further. Okay, in this range, uh, in this range, uh, how, much, how much do you sell if it's... Okay, let, let's look at this. If, imagine this was a TV set from 1,000 to 2,000. Uh, which of these five categories would have the most purchases? So you, you, you rush to buy 1,100 euro TV sets. Because I don't want to buy 2,000 euro TV sets. <laughs> you will soon. <laughs> Study hard and you will. <laughs> So the point, the point is that, okay, maybe this, this low end and high end is something that you, you don't know. You don't know what is a market and what is a sweet spot. But what you, what you should probably know is uh, maybe, maybe it's closer to 2000. Maybe there are many more purchases in here, 1999, rather than 1750. But could you explain me? What's the logic on deciding that you need to split this uh, to five different things? Like first to split so, to three, so, then to four, and then so, so, so the logic is that eventually we are going to, we need to count. Data mining often is about counting. How many, how much, how much value, etc. in different categories. So if, if I was giving you just one table, give me the counts for the children's heights and weights, 
you would have to count that somehow, right? Mm -hmm. And the question is in here, what are the natural natural um, counting? It's almost like a little bit like histogram, right? Mm -hmm. In the histogram, you say, oh, we have this spin width, and we just counted these spins. But th this is more top-down. We will do the pivot tables, the data field aggregations. We would like to count uh, things in these different natural categories. So this 3-4-5 rule tries to say that whatever the numeric range is, we can try to figure out some natural categories uh, to provide uh, nice user interfaces that are, have nice round numbers. Right? And, and that there is, uh, on the top level, I get just four numbers. Oh, in here I sell 500 units, in here I sell uh, 300 units, but I want to see how the 500 are split between the different subcategories. On the very top level, but you can recursively go deeper. And the beauty is that in this way you can write a script that for every product category does this kind of price uh, ranges. And then later, later you can start counting how many in each price range. I don't know, maybe that person is buying. And these numbers you just uh, picked in a way to split it in on those equal or logical parts. Yes, that is that is a, that that trying to make some sort of logic behind there. So so these are I think these are the okay. So these are the, the thousands. So that's how these company profits. But then uh, trying to figure out based on the mean and max and the percentiles, and to figure out that the, by million million is the, the the most significant digit. So we need to find some ranges that are from uh, from zero to one million, from one million to two million. Um, so by 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 these millions, but then ninety uh, fifth uh, percentile is one point eight million in here. So there is very few values which are above ninety fifth percentile. So you, we get from zero to million, million to two million. But this is already at ninety fifth percentile. So from there, we do it to the max. And that's how we get to 5 million in here. And, and the beauty is that now we have, at the top level, we have four categories. Right? Four is a small number. But then you can recursively keep doing the same thing. OK, now let's do now something from 1 million to 2 million. And, uh, this is in here. We split in five groups, and this is also nice five groups by two hundred thousand. But in here, we have from two million to five million, it's three individual millions. Right? So in here we split into five, in here we split into three, and in there we split into four groups. And then you go recursively deeper, and you can do that even on five. If need. But why do you split into different size groups? Because you want to have the nice round numbers whatever time. One million in here is not sufficient. So, so in that was a company profits. So you will not. You, it's not enough to do from zero to minus uh, the, the loss of one million, because the losses are smaller in this example. So, 
So the point is, you have to think about the human end user. Right? So human would like to see things categorized by the wrong number, because then you can associate with these different categories much more easily. And as I said, this is very ad hoc tool. Right? But, but you can write a script that takes any, any uh, uh, numbers and then makes sort of like top-down hierarchy how to look at these, uh, how to group the items, and how to, how to make the hierarchy from top, uh, top down hierarchy. So top down hierarchy is something also that you have a country, in which country, in which uh, county or state, which city, which street. So this is clearly a, a top down hierarchy. But imagine somebody makes a database that uh, well, doesn't tell you what are the, exactly these different uh, different uh, values about, or you don't want to interpret them, you don't know how to interpret them correctly. Um, what you can do is uh, you can you can count different number of values in this field of the database. Oh, there is 180 values. But states is probably thousands, because many countries have states or, or, or counties. More cities, and if you go to street names, that's a really large uh, number of street names. So basically, you can, you can count number of distinct values and sort of make a, a nice semi-automatically the, the hierarchy that let's look at the, by the country, the province or state, uh, by city, and the street number number of distinct values was 674,000. So streets are probably lower level granularity than the cities. Somehow trying to just make this link, what, what is the natural hierarchy between the attributes? All the examples in here are geography or some easy things, but you can have more complicated things. You, if I send you, I don't know, some expert some, some data from the, I don't know, chemical entities in the database, right? And just figure out what it is. You have no clue what, what, what is that, what is what. And then you, then you could try to count distinct values and try to figure out, okay, clearly this has more distinct values, so it's not the top level category. Let's try to put some field that has less values as a top level and make a build that hard. It does only apply for, for, for uh, time. So, seven weekdays and 12 months. 12 different months are sort of higher level uh, category than seven weekdays. Uh, so, of course, for dates, you have, you have the year, quarter, month, uh, week, or weekday. Okay, so, so uh, to wrap it up, so basically the idea was that you take the, the, the data and you try to uh, visualize it, so look at it, uh, potentially normalize it, uh, clean it up, uh, fill in the missing values with the simple techniques, um, and make uh, discrete uh, hierarchies. Uh, whenever possible, because then, then you can build uh, summaries about the data. Um, so, 
Data preparation includes uh, data cleaning, you take in the data, clean it, uh, integrate together different data sets, try to link which attributes go how uh, together. If you integrate data from different sources, it's not like the schema that you have the key. You join the tables by keys. You may need to do some appro approximate finding what are the keys, how, how do they match. And then you want to reduce the data, make sure which features are important, maybe apply some discretization so that later you can have already uh, the TV sets for, for example categorized to, to expensive, cheap, whatever. But, but uh, in a way it's uh, lots of ad hoc methods, practice, practice, practice. And uh, I don't know so deep about the research ongoing in there, but I bet there are uh, different challenges if you face a new data set. Maybe nobody has thought about some simple ways how to, how to deal with that data. Um, any questions? Uh, this was like a top-down approach. Yes. Other, uh, what kind of thing are like the bottom of the approaches? For from yeah. for concept hierarchies. Are there any? There, there should be. There always is. There always is. Um, uh, you could probably take the value somehow, try to apply some grouping and see like you could even do some some density histograms or whatever as well. Actually, what, what we did, we did take the numbers and, yeah, okay, we started to group them from top down, but you could somehow group them, say, if, if there's many values around this 1999 range, maybe maybe group them together. Um, but I, I'm inventing it now. And, and this is what it's really a lot about, you just invent, thinking what the data should, should have, and then you are free to invent. Explore. Explore the real analysis. Explore, have your question, get it answered. Often that is, uh, once you have the question, then it's easy to make a SQL query for that, or small bit of script, you get it answered. But you have to have the question, then drive, and, and then I guess, I guess you, can, you can figure out. But I don't know if anybody can, I guess not. So. I don't have a good answer for that, but, but I, I think some of these are sort of semi, you, you could observe, think of these as, as different, uh, different uh, approaches. I will switch the slide deck and we will move to the um, item set mining. Okay, uh, frequent item sets and association rules. So these are, actually some of the did already the homework uh, up front, so it's, for some these are not uh, strange terms, but we will look through all those. So this course, I, uh, this year I changed slightly the, the order. If we have, 
we passed, started straight from this topic, and now we first covered the, the descriptive statistics. So that's why uh, the, we, we said any, almost everything about descriptive statistics. So how would you describe this kind of data? A, B, C, D, E, F is just some naming. They can be uh, products. Ten people went to shop and each bought five or three or four things. You go and grab some things and this is how ten people behave. These are their shopping baskets subsets of items and there is I guess from A to H potential uh, things. How would you describe this data? How do customers behave? Then vodka. <laughs> Toilet paper, you don't buy it very Toilet paper, you need on the quarter, well, the monthly basis or quarter, whatever. Depends how big your family. Vodka, milk, then you need This is association rule mining is about. <laughs> Figuring out what are these associations. What happens to people who buy vodka and milk? What else do they buy? More as compared to other customers. That's exactly what association rule mining is about. So, you have the data, it's very simple format. Go figure out what is uh, happening, uh, what things are uh, occurring frequently together, or if there are some rules hidden in this data. Okay, are you on the same page? Yeah. This is the task. <coughs> so what's your solution? There was one, start counting how many are frequencies of individual items. For sure, right? So, and this coding is very, very, very flexible. But I said that this is just from A to H. You can take any, uh, any uh, labels and just replace them by integers. So often we talk about just integers as, as labels for different items. We run out of the... Uh, Alphabet letters, so, but we are not running out of integers. Uh, we can take 64 bit integers and we have 4 billion, uh, 4 billion of them. So, uh, one of these examples, what, what can we do? Of course, we can just count frequencies. One occurs three times on this, this, uh, this, once, one, two, uh, three times. Uh, six occurs five times. See, one, two, 
three, four, five. So six is the most common thing on the individual. But what is the eight item? That's four after six. One, two, three, four. Eight was has been observed on in four item sets. In, well, in four transactions, we call this a database of transactions. One row is a transaction. These things have been together. We this is about the market basket analysis, but you can apply this for for many different things like uh, like what are the faults commonly occurring together, or who are the people commonly frequently going to the parties together? Yes. Can I one solution. Yes. Yeah. For example, I would uh, first look at the frequencies and then we see some kind of distribution of products. Yes. Initial, initial distribution. Yeah. And then maybe we could, uh, for example, pick one product, for example, number one, and uh, see all the people who had uh, bought number one and uh, see the uh, product distributions of, among them. After that. So if there's, uh, if the uh, distribution has changed distinctively, then yeah. probably we've got something there. Oh. That's just one idea. Well, yeah. Uh, one now is the most infrequent or the least frequent uh, has been one at the moment. So yes, you can look at the, let's fix at the, this, this, at this row and then see what are the counts after that. For example, we can see if the, if the if you buy number one, probably you will also buy number six. That's that's not nothing too important because six is already important. One, one, and one. Indeed, each one contains six, six, eight, six, eight, six. Uh, so every time that one goes, six has been there. So you could say that. Whenever you see one, he or she is accompanied by six. If these are the people who go to the parties together, whenever, whenever uh, Joanna wants to party, uh, Michael is always there. Hundred percent. Uh, so that is sort of like some sort of predictive value of that from one to six that we are calling about confidence. We are trying to find rules there which have some meaningful inference uh, as much as possible. This is a small example, but our databases will be huge, and, but the goal is the same. Whenever, whenever something happens, you try to say, what is the implication on the, on the other things? So, um, Let's try these visualization techniques. How much can we use? So uh, these are just uh, the same one, two, three, six, eight, and highlighted three, highlighted six. You can see the same pattern. Whenever three is there, three, 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 also six is there. So is uh, what did I say? Johanna and uh, Michael. Uh, is Michael? There because uh, Joanna was there or because Marilyn was there. Both have 100% confidence rule. And 3-6 is in this case more frequent. 
one six, whenever one is, there is six, but whenever three is, it's also six. But maybe six is on every row, then it doesn't matter at all. And six is more interested in three than three and six. There is the case when there's only six without three. Yeah, because uh, because this whatever name I said uh, stood up about just like one yeah. did, didn't go there, right? No. And six wasted his evening. Yes. Um, so the problem is when, but but imagine if, if six goes every time, then for anybody there, six is always there. What do you do with that rule? Nothing. I mean, it's not, it's not anymore sort of so interesting because whenever we want to predict six, six is always there. Even if nobody else is there, every subset infers six is always there. Six goes alone, right? Even if no friends go with him, six always goes. So um, we can have the item set which is also empty. Just six alone. Uh, okay, so, so of course you started root 1 and then observed that oh, 06 was every time, yeah? You didn't reach the 3. 3 was a maybe more significant move in some ways. So we need to have the mechanism that goes through every possible combination. So we need some, some combinatorial approach. Uh, we can, this is just highlighting the three values and now, okay, we, let's make Distinct color for each one of those, uh, maybe six, uh, eight colors you can observe, but you already start fading away the different number of colors. That's what you learn visual perception. How many different colors can you trace all the time? But it doesn't help you to observe more, more moves. Maybe you can pick some, some highlight, maybe, maybe you visually see some highlight, but uh, But how can you be sure that you have covered everything? And what what is the everything? What, what what do we want to cover? Maybe we want to find all these groups that have been seen together at least four times. At least four times they have been grouped together to some events. Uh, you could think of this as, as I don't know, anti-terror thing. Who are the people who have been together many times in uh, random occasions or, or heads of families, uh, whatever meeting? So you can, you can take the algorithmic thing and uh, use it in different contexts. Uh, so it doesn't need to be shopping basket. It could be about people. It could be about anything. What are the commonly occurring uh, events, uh, like uh, it could be some error messages or, 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 or breakdowns, whatever, it, it, it can be anything really. So this is one, two, three, this is just by color, this is now table from one to eight, so this is what really this uh, data is about, the table of transactions and different items present or not present in that row is uh, is transaction ID in here, identify the transaction ID, and then uh, 
the different items, whether they are present or not. And for compactness reason, we want to just avoid the empty and just this one, two, well, uh, two, four, and eight to represent that in this way. Supermarket may sell 20,000 different things in, in big shop. But whenever you go to shop, you don't buy 20,000 different things. You buy maybe 10, uh, on average, 8. So it makes sense to keep data compact. So can we see more rules now, somehow? This is like trying to figure out some correlations between the different uh, items or different columns. If, these are data, if this is database uh, columns, then which columns are uh, correlated more? Three and eight. Uh, three and eight is quite common. Where did, I, where did we lose this? I, I'm not sure whether this is exactly the same example. Maybe, maybe some data has changed. Uh, <laughs> what happens is the out three and eight. Out two. But this one doesn't have eight. Okay. One and six, three and six, yeah. Three and six. Whenever there is three, there is six. So um so this introduction is really to this uh, thing that we, what we are dealing with is we call this market basket analysis because it's a basket of different items. Um, but numerically, we can say that these are different items and these are different transactions. This is our database. And what we would like to get is, is these kinds of uh, rules. Can you say that your, your milk and vodka implies that you also have the, what was the proposal? Toilet paper and uh, and uh, mineral water. So the goal is to somehow find out if there are any rules that can be applied uh, to deal with the customer, or how, how do they, how do, how would they behave, or, or get some other predictions about the I don't know terrorist activity. Um, the rules, we can make many. So which ones are the interesting ones? The ones that are <coughs> frequent in the database? You are not interested in one single web case. You want the same rule to apply in many occasions, right? And secondly, that the rule has some good <coughs> predictive value or high accuracy when you start applying that rule. Because uh, you may want to, in different cultural contexts, you can of course talk about these uh, different things that are in here. Pfeiffer's follows Pierre. Does it make any sense to you? How many pies are Pfeiffer's? Nobody. 
uh, offerings immediately on the online uh, shopping uh, website. This does not mean causality. We don't. This is this is kind of like correlation. Correlation between uh, things, uh, which does not mean uh, that because you bought diapers, you bought hair. Uh, maybe there is just some other coincidence. Uh, the, the the question about the correlation. And the real causality, one causes the other, is actually a tricky one. So, uh, database, items, item set is a subset of these items. In the uh, basket, you have a basket, but what we are interested in are the subsets of, uh, of items in the database. K item set contains K items. So out of here, you could say, you could count all the two, well, counting one item set is easy, just individual frequencies. Counting two item sets, you would have to look at every possible pair. Counting three is every possible triple. Select three out of N. And then you can see that if there are 20,000 things on sale in the supermarket, it's uh, 20,000 times 19,999 times 19,998 different combos of three. So the, that is explosion combinatorial. Support count is, for some items that you, well, if, if you say uh, diapers and beer, you can count one, two, three, Support is three. Support count is three in this database. And somebody else has the shop that is three times bigger, and he or she gets nine. Is nine more than three? Of course it is. But is three-fifths compared to nine over 15, they are equal, the same proportion. So we should normalize the support count by the database size, so what is the fraction of transactions containing that item set? 1.5% of transactions in the database contains that, uh, these two things. And frequent item set is something that is, uh, support is more frequent than what you set the threshold. You can say, okay, let's look at every possible combination that at least 1% of the customers or shopping baskets contain. Let's focus on the frequent things. Anything that is below 1% threshold, let's ignore. And this is, a, this is one way to, original way to look at this. Okay, let's take a big database, let's put the threshold and ask, show me every combination of the database that has frequency of 1% or more. So, these are the item sets, but now if we start talking about the, about the rules, or association rules, so association rules are sort of implications built on top of these item sets, uh, from x follows y, when x and y are both item sets on the left-hand side, on the right-hand side, on both sides you have item sets, 
this item set implies this item set. On the right-hand side, you can have also more than one item from milk diapers. You observe beer and uh, chips. But uh, beer and chips together, but you could, of course, look milk diaper and act on beer alone. Milk diapers and chips alone. How do we evaluate the, the rule? The most simplest one is uh, to say, okay, milk diapers, beer, Milk, you buy milk diapers as well as beer. When is it interesting? When it's more than 1% frequency of all the transactions that all three are bought together. If all three are bought together, like 0.01%, uh, maybe it's not large enough to take notice. Uh, so the support of this rule is now the support of milk diaper and beer. So all three together, because that's that's the rows for which, that's the number of transactions for which we could have that link, all three together in the database. So support is a fraction of all transactions that contain both left-hand side and right-hand side. But confidence is something that has this predictive power if we have left-hand side, okay, in the shop we have milk and diapers are bought together, 2% uh, of the cases, and milk and diaper and beer is bought together at 1.5%, then the confidence is 2% when we can have left-hand side, and 1.5% when we have all three together, the confidence is that out of the, all the cases that there was milk and diaper, three quarters, 75%, the bill was bought. So this 75% is now the confidence. So 75% of customers who bought milk and diapers also bought beer. So confidence is how often items in Y appear in transactions that contain X. So X is on the left-hand side, and Y is on the right-hand side. How, how often Y occurs in those rows that contain X? Um, we will witness that these are by far not the only uh, interestingness measures, but at the moment, let, let it be very simple just how frequent it is, and what is the sort of presumed uh, predictive value. So the, for this rule, the support is, what is the proportion of the rows that have all three over the entire database? 40%, uh, and then the confidence is, we have two cases when all three are together, and three cases when milk and diapers were together on the left-hand side, two of which have also beer, so the confidence is uh, 0 0.66, 0 0.67. So original setup of the task was, we have a big database, let's count everything that all the transactions and association rules are such that support has to be uh, larger than your threshold, 
and confidence has to be larger than some minimum confidence. We care only about the rules that have more than 30% confidence. That one third of those who did this also did that, and uh, uh, how many such rules? And now the question is entirely algorithmic. How to find every possible uh, rule that follows these uh, thresholds, or is better than triple thresholds? It becomes entirely algorithmic, so you can do brute force. Let's uh, make all possible association rules and just count how frequently they occur. So do counting and then split out or print out those that have both thresholds uh, uh, exceeded. Problem is that this becomes very, very rapidly computationally prohibitive. There is going to be computational explosion, and let's look at that explosion uh, now. Uh, okay, uh, let me see. Before that, we need computational efficiency to have efficient counting to get over this computational prohibitiveness as much as possible, because our databases are growing huge. And the second is, at the end, we want to uh, give to the end user results that are in some sort of, of relevance. It's kind of if you spit out 10,000 different rules to the user, then it's like Google search where there is no ranking. You have to have some sort of ranking of relevance uh, when you provide answers to the, to the end user. When we talk about these build papers up here, you can make out of this triple, you can make out of many different rules. Out of the same item set, which has always the same support, because we talk about the same real factors here, transacting the transactions, they have exactly the same support, but they may have totally different confidence levels. Confidences in this case. Build pair for a sniper has confidence 1.0, but from diapers, those who buy diapers, they half buy both milk and beer as well. So, for the same item set, milk, paper, sphere, we can make in here different rules. Essentially, we, have, we can decide what stays on the left side and what goes to the right side. Or, yeah, if, if all three have to be present, then you are either on the left side or on the right side. For each of these three, you have two choices, zero on the left or one on the right. And then you have two, two to the power of three already. Uh, something is, and, and out of those, there are minus those that are big typers. No, something is missing. Two, two to the power of three is eight. Uh, some cases must be um, when you have all three on the left, all three on the right, they have been excluded on this example. But there is already uh, a combination, combinatorial. Uh, sort of number of, of different uh, rules. So if you have 10 items in the item set, then you have 2 to the power of 10 minus 2. Everybody on the left, all of these on the left, on the left side, all of these on the right side. 
So we can split the algorithmic part to two sides. Let's count all the frequent sets, because from these frequent sets, we can generate all the association rules like this. So let's first uh, generate item sets that are uh, frequent, and then worry about the rules that have sufficient confidence. Uh, eight items, how many possible item sets? Eight, uh, some shop sells uh, eight things, and there can be millions of customers, how many different item sets? Item is present or not, next item is present or not, again we have eight items present or not, when none of these is present it's empty basket, when all of these are present, uh, it's uh, uh, all present, right? So 2 to the power of 8, potential subsets of 8. And this we can express as a lattice, or in the How many of you have taken any combinatorics in the... So these are very, very familiar things to you. Counting uh, how many different uh, sets, permutations, combinations. So nothing is present, all are present. Only one is present, one is missing. Two are present, two are missing. So this is a symmetric uh, show of all possible item sets, uh, formulated as a lattice of different increasing uh, number of items in the item set. Um, and uh, if you express this as zero, one vectors, then each one can be present or not. So it's zero, zero, one counting. Uh, present or not, 2 to the power of how many items we are talking in here. And here is only 5. With the 5, we have this lattice. With the 6, we have significantly larger lattices. So that's exponential twice out. And now we, want, we need to count each one of those. How many? So basically, these are all possible uh, item sets. And then we have a database, and in a way we want to understand how frequent is each item set in the database. When we have 20,000 things sold in the supermarket, we cannot make lattice for 20,000. We can't have the, the binary vector of like 20,000 and make all the combinations. 64-bit integer, you can't count each one of those very efficiently, right? You can't fit them in, in the computer. What is it? 4 billion by 4 billion. Sorry? So we have to have some, at the same time, not everything is possible, not every possible combination is present ever, right? We, we have the threshold, we want to have only those that are frequent enough, right? Or which exist in the data. So we want to have some data-driven method that we have our data in the database, and we have data-driven method that counts everything that is frequent from that data. Theoretically, underlying is the lattice. Theoretical uh, number is huge, but only some of those are actually frequent or present in the database. So we want to have a method that goes through the database and fills in the counts for every set. 
Uh, now, bread and milk, okay, this should be on the next. If, if you want to count, imagine we, we have all these item sets, right? And now we take one row, one transaction, and we, we want to add count to the plus one to the bread, plus one to milk, plus one to the bread and milk together. If we have uh, four elements, then we want to, if we want to just go through the database and make sure that we have counted every possible subset, then if it's, uh, when we observe this row, we want to add plus one to the bread alone, milk alone, batches alone, beer alone, then by the two, by three, by four. So the goal is somehow that our database is so big that we can afford going through the database only limited number of times. But whenever we observe one transaction in the database, we want to process it so that we count every possible subset from that transaction. Even that is complicated because there are too many subsets, right? But intuitively, we would like to, to count, make sure that when we go through the database having n transactions, that we, we actually count every possible uh, item set from each transaction. And that's where we have these different algorithmic, uh, slightly different algorithmic approaches and, uh, and different uh, ways how to think of that. Uh, so, so we have to deal with this computation and flow. When we have the unique items, the number of item sets is 2 to the power of p that I explained. The number of association rules for the items, you can say that it's in the left on the left hand, on the right hand, or not present at all. Therefore, you have 3 to the power of p minus some uh, boundary cases. So even for six <coughs> items, we had to, we had the show of eight items in the beginning, right? We were looking at eight, but we did a d equals six. There is already 602 potential rules. And this grows exponentially. So we, we really want to have something, some methods that are able to give us only the interesting rules, the most frequent ones, the most uh, uh, the highest confidence rules. And, and this is where the data comes in our help. Theoretically, you could say that, oh, theoretically, this is too, too large a number. But there are many cases where, where we can do data-driven discovery. We only count the things that we observe in the data. How many words there are theoretically in the natural language of alphabet size 30? All the possible ways of combining 30 letters in words. Too many. Does it mean that we can't count all the words? No, Google does that all the time. We extract the words, put them in hash, keep counting them, right? Um, so we have the word boundaries, but if you have long sequences, DNA sequences of your genome, there are no words. How do we count every possible substring? Because they have a beginning and end, and there is n to the power of two different substrings. How do we count all of those? We build indexes, we make suffix trees, we use clever data structures. Actually, we can count every possible substring the number of every possible substring, how many times they occur in linear time by using some trees. 
a task that seems combinatorial and very expensive can be solved in linear time. Uh, I'm not saying that we have linear time algorithm in here, but we have to have some approach how do we make it more efficient. So we want to reduce the number of candidates that we can calculate. Uh, candidate for these frequent item sets, we want to count or co frequencies of all of these. We have to make sure that we know the exact frequencies, but we need to have some sort of pruning in these. We want to avoid generating every candidate, only having those which really may be supported by the data. The second, uh, okay, second is that the databases keep growing. So the database size is important. You can, you can uh, do different things. You can sub-select, you can sample, but, but we usually can do it all for the full database. Um, okay, and one combinatorial sort of uh, rule that is in our help is something that is called a priori principle. And this says that uh, small item set has larger support than larger item set, having the same items. Or vice versa, when you have item set, then all its subsets are more frequent. The same frequency or more frequent. So if item set is frequent, then all of its subsets must be frequent. Or vice versa, if you have a small item set, then larger item set is less frequent. Complicated. Diapers and milk, whenever you add another third requirement, there must be less customers by that, the triple, right? Diaper and milk is more frequent than diaper milk beer. Because we, we impose another condition on the same item set, on the item set. We add another requirement, and that reduces the frequency. Very simple. Yeah. Theoretically, this is an empty complete task, right? Because. Uh, no, I don't think that this is empty complete. Because the set coverage is a subset of this task. We are not doing set cover at the moment. No, but the set coverage is a subset of the task. If you can no. solve this, you can solve no. We Next lecture, we will look at something that may use set cover, but in here, we are not doing set cover. If the task is to find everything that is frequent about some threshold, then it's sort of output sensitive. Actually, it's, it's sort of like the size of the output that is roughly the efficiency. Well, very, very hand-waving way. The original data mining concept was that we, inevitably the data is growing. Inevitably, we need methods that scale rather linearly to the data than exponentially. That is, that is kind of the intuitive background in this very large data analytics in the big data. You need to have methods that scale as linearly as possible. Because Otherwise, otherwise we, we can't analyze them. Databases are, are growing. But what this says is really like uh, if y is the larger item set, x is a subset of that, 
we drop some requirement from x, x is a subset of y, something is missing, therefore its frequency is larger than for y. So what does it mean on this lattice? If A and B is infrequent, then adding extra requirements like, oh, let's look at ABC, but hey, AB was infrequent. Why do we look at ABC? It can only be less frequent, even less frequent. AB was not frequent, therefore any of its sub, any of its supersets, when you add the third item into that basket, they cannot be frequent. So, if this is infrequent, none of these can be frequent. If we are clever, observe this is infrequent, then we prune and avoid counting any of this in here. Ever. So this is our a priori principle that when we add requirements that the frequency will drop. It's, it's sort of like monotonically or anti-monotonically dropping. We make pool larger, the frequency comes down. There is another thing that uh, may be very uh, useful is that think of this rule. Oh, okay, in here, ABE is not frequent because AD was not frequent. But what about this ACE? Should we count ACEs? Should we count ACEs? Only AC was frequent, AE was frequent, and CE was frequent. If this, this, and this are frequent, only then maybe ACE is also frequent. So we can say that, okay, after we have counted the frequencies of singletons, the, the, the two element item sets, we can do something clever, we can construct which ones of these item sets in here we might expect to be frequent in the first place and only count those frequencies. So that a priori algorithm is sort of like iteratively, let's go through the database once, let's count the frequencies of singletons and then go next time, count the frequencies of those two element item sets that might be frequent based on the singletons. If some Mustard is uh, infrequent, then we don't put that mustard into any combination in anything else, right? So, iteratively, level by level, single, uh, just the database size, the singletons, the, the tuple, well, two element sets, triples, uh, quadruples. So, in here, for ABDE to be frequent, potentially, every subset must be. Uh, a, B, D, A, B, E, B, B, E, in here, all of these, dropping any of them, dropping any of the letters, each one must be frequent already on the previous round. So then we put A, B, D as a, as a candidate for which we need to collect information about. The next 
time we scan through the database, let's count ABDE if that's present in the, on the transaction or not. And only count those that we have suspicion that it may become frequent in the scan. Therefore, this method would go through the database layer by layer, once, twice, three times. If once you have 10 item sets, from 10 item sets you can make the candidates, how many of 11 item sets may be frequent, and then you, in the next round, only count these 11 item sets, if any of those was indeed So this is the example, if coke is infrequent, or eggs is infrequent, then none of the, uh, no basket containing eggs could be interesting on the next round. If these are the counts, if you put minimum support threshold three, then bread and beer already is infrequent. Is there anything that might be infrequent on the next layer when we make three elements? Beer is only in one, but if beer cannot be anymore in any triple, right? Is there anything that might be as represented as a, as a triple that might be having support three? Bread, milk, bread, diapers, milk, diapers, all bread, milk, diapers, you said, all missing one from each. So bread, milk, diapers is something that might be frequent, right? So we can say, okay, next round, I'm only going to care about bread, milk, diapers. Only count that, and nothing else. And then, in the next uh, scan through the database, it's sufficient to count how many transactions have exactly this uh, subset, and we get three, so we have a triple that is three. Do we need another pass through the database? No, because there can't be anything that is the fourth element in there. Nothing. We stop. We have three scans, and we have everything reported that has count three or more. So a priori algorithm, let's start from I, one item set A equals one, generate frequent item sets on length one, and then repeat until we exhaust, let's generate the K plus one length item sets as candidates, then only uh, look at those that could, yeah, well, when we generate, uh, then we prune off all that cannot be frequent. So basically, it's the first two are, let's only generate those that may be frequent. Then let's go through the database and count only those frequencies. And then we get the new frequencies updated. And based on that, we can eliminate those that turned out not to be frequent. And then we repeat, generate candidates, try to scan the database, eliminate. So to make this efficient, somehow we need to make uh, sure that when we generate candidates, that when we start scanning, that we are 
efficiently counting those candidates, only those that we care about. Uh, so, whenever you go through transaction by transaction, we need to have some sort of like some sort of data structure that supports uh, counting uh, frequencies of every possible uh, every possible rule. And this uh, this example in here sort of show that you can you can allocate those in sort of like buckets or, or hash generally so that we can more efficiently go through through the row by row or transaction by transaction and counting the frequencies of all possible candidates. How do we achieve that? Uh, in this illustration, this is the number of candidates. It can be rather large. How the grouping or bucketing of these different candidates is happening is that, oh, let's make some sort of like a, like a tree-like structure. Whenever one is there, we want, if the candidate starts with one, four, or seven, we go left. If it, if it begins with two, five, eight, we go down, or three, six, nine, we go right. So, One, four, five, clearly is with one event left, with four event left, but there was only one uh, item set, we don't need to uh, go any further. Uh, one, two, five, two and five both bring us down. So two, one, two, five will end up in here. So one, two, five ends up in this branch. Four, five, five, eight, goes to the exactly the same branch. So basically we have a sort of data structure that we group together items that somehow hashing them together. And this hash structure later allows us to fill in the counts uh, more, uh, more easily. Uh, what are all the possible uh, candidates? How to count them? So this is a... So, so these are where, the, where our candidates uh, item sets end up in these branches. Uh, and, and then next we need to, this is the hash function or location of, of every possible candidate. And now what we need to do is that when we take a new transaction, we go transaction by transaction by transaction, right? We need to see how every possible item set that might have been frequent. And now with one, two, three, five, six, what we do is we do recursive thing. We want to count the triples, every possible triple, those that contain one, and those that do not contain one. Right? So those that begin with one, begin with two, begin with three, they count anything that begins with five and did not have one, two, three, because we were counting triple. Right? If we say that five and and not on one, two, three, then five, six does not form any triple anymore. So you make a recursive uh, program that everything that begins with one, and then you have fixed one is there, and then you can decide next that begins with two or three. So with the twos down there, with the threes, so you walk down this transaction in recursive manner, and you have one, two, three, one, two, five, one, two, six, and they are on this candidate hash tree one, two, five, one, two, 
six, they would all be located in here. So you can update these counts on that hash tree uh, quite efficiently uh, in the local manner. So you just walk down, you generate every possible triple, and with these triples, you know how to walk down the hash tree uh, so that you can update counts for each of these subsets. Because that transaction now was containing that 256 subset. So this was the transaction. One is present, we walked out there. Uh, then the next one's two and three. So basically you take a transaction and walk down the, the hash tree in here while doing recursion with every triple and then walking back uh, up, backtracking and walking down the other branch, making other uh, making other branches. So you have a transaction and the hash tree, and you have to, in, in, in both, you sort of walk the tree to count the frequencies of every triple in this example. So half of you went to sleep uh, because you did not remember how to go through the tree, that first order, what is the backtracking, your weak on al algorithms, but we need algorithms for efficient um, um, things to happen in computer memory. We want to have algorithms that are also local in the memory, that you don't jump around randomly, erratically in the large memory, because in that case you have the caching problem. You want algorithms that are local, relatively local in memory, so that you have you can utilize the cache better. So this transaction, out of all the candidates, we added one to, um, I don't verify the moment, but probably we, we added uh, 1 to 11 out of 15 candidates. So this tree represented all the candidates, we have a transaction, and we did one, 11 times we added 1 to those items. And later we count uh, everything that was frequent and output those. So this is a combinatorial counting, and then when we start uh, really applying this, is actually this is how many candidates we generate lengths one, two, three. Suddenly we have a big explosion. The number of candidates shoots up. The number of candidates is rather large, but in reality, when you look out how many of those are frequent, then this is the number of frequent item sets depending on the support level. 0.1%, of course, the frequency is higher. 0.2% is there, but it already require half percent, there is not so many uh, item sets that are frequent of size uh, 5 or 10. So the, the frequency threshold will, of course, have more, if the threshold is small, then they have more. If the threshold is higher, they have very few item sets that have that high frequency. So that's how we get the efficient algorithm. But the number of candidates that in the beginning shoots up and later it behaves quite, quite nicely to the actual number of item sets. So uh, this is the nature of this a priori algorithm, how it roughly works. Uh, next week we look at some alternative algorithms and also uh, say that we talk about which rules are interesting, how to look at that, and maybe this entire thing is not so interesting at all, maybe there are even better methods than this problem. Thank you.